Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of everything that happens across the Division I college tennis world. Of course, here on Wednesday nights, we talk about the Division I men, and we are truly in the thick of the 2023 college tennis season schedule. You have conference play happening across the country, NCAA implications in just about every match we watch unfold. We also now are starting to see teams begin to gel. As such, we see just about the best out of each and every competitor, and that led to a really fun weekend of results. We had upsets. We had 4-3 thrillers. We had rivalry matches. We had just about everything you look for from a college tennis weekend. And joining me here on tonight's show as he joins me each and every week to break it all down is the man who is the reason we had to pre-record tonight's episode once again. Nevertheless, he is the co-host of these Deciding Point episodes, and it just would have been wrong to do this show without the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula, per man whose predictions are never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames, of course, the professor, the lean, mean, vegan machine. It's Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. I should add ESPN Plus, ACC Network, SEC Network Plus, lead commentator as well. Got to be nice to add that to the resume, right? Wow, yeah, it was, that's nice, but wow, that was a lot of work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, never do I want to come on here and stroke your ego because Lord knows you don't need it. But man, yeah, that's that that's some, you know, I it's recorded, I guess. So I can curse. That's some right there. <laughs> well, thank you. I think that was a compliment. Somewhere in there, there was a compliment couch, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I I imagine you're experiencing the Monday hangover that I always experience after a weekend of broadcast where you're like, how much talking did I just do? Like, what words did I say from 3 to 5 p.m. on Thursday? I hope they were good words because I don't remember any of them. And, you know, again, that's why I like doing these shows because you go back through the results and different pieces start to pop back into your brain, of course. A massive thank you to you, to Perry Shine, and to Will Blumberg for filling in not just admirably, but exceptionally throughout the course of the weekend. Obviously, our cross-court cast rocking and rolling. We'll have more for you again Friday, Sunday here this weekend. I think we're done with SEC Thursdays, but SEC, ACC Friday, Big Ten, ACC on Sundays. Plenty of individual matches in between. Obviously, we'll continue to work Chris into the mix. I will... I was so angry that I wasn't on the broadcast for some of the matches that unfolded. And I mean that in the best way possible because you guys were all exceptional. But I was like, how are you missing out on this, Alex? And so I loved my time at the Arizona Tennis Classic. I promise, college tennis fans, I am itching to get back into the mix. And that's why I'm so excited for tonight's show. We have to pre-record, of course, because Chris is off doing Chris things. He's already festive, as you can see on the other side of our show here tonight. And um Look, it's just as much Chris's show as mine at this point. So we wanted to have the conversation here tonight because there has been so much good college tennis action over the course of the past week. Again, you had top teams 
being upset. And yes, of course, we're going to talk about Mississippi State. Of course, we're going to talk about what Utah did this weekend because we both saw what the Utes were up to. You had, you know, Tennessee, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Virginia kind of putting their foot on the gas pedal and saying, no, 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 no. we are who you thought we were to start the season. Everything that happened in Texas, so many other results in between. We've got a jam-packed show. For all of you college tennis fans here tonight, of course, a shout out as always to all of you who do tune in day in, day out. It makes doing this show that much more special. I will tell you now, Chris, I was and I hope he listens to this show. Uh, His name is Ben. I am blanking on his last name. I won't give away the Twitter handle right now. I'll allow him to do it if he hears the shout out. But I was kind of explaining what I do, why I was at the uh, Arizona Tennis Classic. And, uh, and, you know, I was watching a Kova match. And he was like, oh, like, you know, how well do you know Kova? And I was like, well, you know, I covered his time in college. And that's something I kind of focus on. And he goes, oh, well, you know, if you cover college tennis, you must know Alex Gruskin, right? And I was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, I was kind of like, know him. I'm not going to say the joke I thought in my head, but I was like, yeah, I just like kind of lifted my name tag. I was like, yeah, that's me. Um, and he was like, oh my God, I listened to the show. Like I watched the ITA indoor broadcast the last two weeks ago or whatever. So I hope Ben is listening. I really appreciated the introduction, uh, it, uh, the chance to chat with him. And again, to hear the passion for college tennis in so many different corners of the country, corners of the tennis universe. Uh, it's something we do not take for granted here at Crack Racket. So shout out to all of you who make this such a fun experience. Shout out, of course, to our friends at LS. I brought the polo back just to intimidate Chris tonight as I want my takes to overwhelm him. But seriously, if you wanted to be outfitted in the best, the most comfortable things on the market, turn to our friends at LS. Learn more by clicking on the link in the description to this show. We are immensely grateful for the Emke family. The support we get from our friends at LS, shout out to the entire LS team for their support of the deciding point here this season. With that said, Chris, I'm going to make your day. We're going to start where I think we have to start. Mississippi State, they didn't just win. They were dominant in their victory over number two, South Carolina. 4-1 victory at the time of the clinch. Now, I told Chris before we started the show that I had a story to tell as it relates to this match. Now, I'm not going to share the intimate details, but I did get to watch this match sitting right next to me, Nuno Borges, prior to his start on Sunday's final. He was getting loose. The doubles final actually went really long. And so as he was eating lunch, getting ready before he went and, you know, warmed up, got stretched, we were watching this match unfold. And obviously I don't need to tell you college tennis fans. It's funny. I thought I was about to do a mini break. So I had to be like Nuno Borges, 2019 NCAA singles finalist at (laughs) Mississippi State. I don't need to tell you all that. To get to watch it with him, watch him react, because let's be clear, as good as those Mississippi State teams were, this was the highest ranked victory in program history. And look, we watched Mississippi State get a really good win over Florida early in the SEC season. Obviously, the script was flipped as they then got knocked out by Ole Miss. But you look at what this Mississippi State team has done now throughout the course of this year, 15-3 and overall on the season. Yes, they're 3-2 and two in conference play uh, with losses to Ole Miss, the 4-2 loss to Texas A&M, but now they have a win over Auburn. Now they have a win over South Carolina. Now they have a win over Florida as well. Perhaps most importantly, they're doing a really good job. Well, I guess it's interesting because the majority of their matches have been in Starkville, 
And to their credit, you go three and one in Starkville against Florida, Auburn, AM, and South Carolina, and one of the wins was South Carolina. Is there anything more head coach Matt Roberts could have asked for, Chris? Because again, not, they didn't just win, they won doubles, they won three straight set matches in singles. I like no disrespect to South Carolina, Mississippi State dominated. Yeah, you can say that. I mean, look, I would have bet the farm knowing that, again, we saw the previous weekend, no Gregor Ramskogler, right? Doubles was like a, an, you know, unmitigated disaster without him. Uh, and they, you know, they they couldn't find anything. And then they didn't, and, and they couldn't win a match at six either. So you're feeling, and when you look at your, oh, we're going to be taking on the number two team in the country. And they know we didn't, I didn't know ahead of time, but they know, yeah, we're going to be without Ram again. And what happened in doubles and, and knowing that South Carolina is just ridiculously good at doubles. Uh, yeah. To get out of there with a doubles point and what they got from, I mean, in particular, the, you know, the team subbing in Navansky now playing with, with Benito and they played three doubles in that match. For him to come in and them to be able to get a 6-4 win in doubles. Uh, and, and, you know, and then Novansky hadn't gotten a singles win. This is a kid that was a January commit. We've talked many times about the January guys, you know, taking a little while to get going. Uh, obviously, that's been a little bit of the case here. But, uh, yeah, to your point, I mean, they take doubles and they they storm out. Other, other than Toby Samuel getting his win at one, they just rip off three more, three more wins. In fact, really four more wins. It's five one before they end up playing a ten point breaker uh, on court two. It was just yeah, they absolutely blitzed them. Yeah, and look, the best freshman class we haven't spent enough time talking about is this freshman class at Mississippi State and what they've managed to do. You have uh, Peter Yovanovich who gets the win here at three, and you know for him to earn a two and four win over the fifth year in Rafa Lambling for a freshman to do that indoors on the home courts obviously it's a surface that may you know again maybe Lambling might not want to be on and still you got to go out and execute he does Yovanovich now 13 and 5 overall in the season 8 and 5 at the two spot if you're a freshman and you're playing over 70 percent ball that's doing your job and he's not even the best freshman in their lineup you mentioned it Benito Sanchez Martinez 14 and 4 now overall in dual match play 3 and 4 over Casey Hool. I mean, again, this is a South Carolina team that, yeah, they had a tough 4-3 against LSU on Friday. Like, no doubt about it, it was a tough weekend on the road for the Gamecocks. But, like, here's what it comes down to. For Mississippi State, you already made the point about it. They take the doubles, and then to have it be Yovanovich, Benito Sanchez-Martinez, and then Navansky, Michael Navansky, who's 6-2 and two overall in the year, is playing t- because, to your point, they didn't have Grigor Ramskogler. For him to step in and get a straight-set victory over a Jake Beasley, who is maybe his rise over the past month is why South Carolina has elevated themselves into Tier 1. I mean, what a win for the freshman you could see it on Coach Roberts' face, right? Like after the match, Chris, it it was – and I mean on Nuno. Nuno was – I don't mean to say he doesn't believe in this team. But even he was like, oh my – like these freshmen are good. Like it was funny. He he would tell little things. I'm not going to say who it was about, but he'd be like, cover the wide serve. Or he's like, are you going to make sure you're going big there? And then they would do it, 
And Nuno was like, all right, these guys are pretty good. And then, of course, we got into the conversation of, all right, 2018 or 19 team versus this team. Let's talk through the matchups. Who wins where? That was an off-the-record discussion. (laughs) But, like, what is this team up to now in the rankings, Chris? Because, again, of the the, – So, 12 now. They lose at Ole Miss. That one stings. No doubt about it. But, again, you have to win your home matches and early in SEC play – They've done that, Chris. Like they are now. Is it? It's more likely than not, right? I mean, they still have so much left in the schedule. But what's the, what's the top sixteen uh, percentage for you? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'd go. I'd get too crazy about it, just because, like we've seen. I'm not saying this to be cautious. I'm saying this because it's happened. Look, Alabama beat Florida. Mississippi State beat South Carolina. I mean, things like this happen in the SEC. Ole Miss beat Mississippi State. Uh, I mean, some of the matches they have left that aren't the Georgia and the Tennessee are are going to be questionable. I would put my I would put my needle right now at probably around a. 65 to 70 percent uh that they should land a host spot i mean it's a it's certainly it's in their court it's up to them to do their job and hold serve and if they do they will they will host because you know the, the loot losing any of those matches to the georgia's tennessee's etc kentucky's not huge huge hurts what they got to do is take care of business and you know don't lose to Arkansas. Don't, you know, those types of matches. That's where you got to be careful and you got to do your job. Yeah. I mean, on the flip side, I think when you're looking, you know, you're absolutely right. Again, this win has everything to do with Mississippi State. And why does it lead the show? It's because three freshmen are in straight set victories to knock off the number two team in the country. 30,000 foot view for South Carolina. This loss means nothing. It really doesn't. Like, it's not going to hurt bru- them in terms of. A yeah. brutal weekend for them, by the way. I mean, you know, you got to go from. Columbia, South Carolina, down to Baton Rouge, play a match there, and then you got to turn around and drive up to Starkville and play a match. I mean, I had talked about this, you know, before the weekend with somebody and said, look, this is, I don't know that Mississippi State can or can't pull this upset off, but it is a brutal travel weekend. And if it's going to happen, it could happen here. Yeah. I mean, again, here's the thing 15 and two overall on the year. This South Carolina team is right where it wants to be. What is the common thread, I suppose, between the two losses? You know, in both matches, Samuel and Thompson get victories, and then they couldn't find the other singles point that they needed. And look, Story's been excellent. Lambling's been excellent. Houle's been excellent. Beasley's been excellent. That's why you don't worry about this, because the two time, you know, again, you saw two exceptional performances, right? Georgia, it took Bride a third set to get through that match at the indoors. And, you know, again, Mississippi State had a really good day, three through six here today. I don't have doubts about South Carolina, but it's like, that's how you got to beat them. You got to try to steal the doubles point or you're probably going to have to take three through six. I I completely agree. My My only doubt, I don't have doubts about South Carolina. My only doubts are, to your point, when you're going to beat them, and it's not going to be often, but when you do, you know where it's going to come for the most part. And the question is, for an NCAA title run, can those guys that you know are the guys that you have to beat, can they step up to the to you know for 
four matches in a row, let's say, so that that doesn't happen. See, and that's the only question for them. I'm on the flip side, and I apologize for interrupting. I just think it's like, all right, what we need to win matches where Toby and Connor aren't winning. Like, that's the thing, where I'm just like, let's look at it the other way, where it's just like, hey, we know what we're getting from them. I want to see the doubles three, five, and six, right? Or like three, four, five, six on a day where they don't get doubles, although they always get doubles. And uh, again, you mentioned that doubles point two start. I don't know. I still really like this South Carolina team. That's still oh, my I, takeaway. I, yeah, I love. Oh, I love the team too. And they can yeah. uh, they can beat anybody. You catch them yeah. on a good day, and they're taking doubles. That's one, why two, this was so shocking. Yeah, like, it yeah. was like, how does this this team never loses? doubles and three straight sets and singles that's why it's like what happened here yeah yeah, yeah and no, so it's just that, that's the i mean if you can sneak a doubles point against them that's where you go oh we have a chance yeah <laughs> you know? very well said and again south carolina 15 and 2 they're still looking good this sec is getting jumbled at the top it's going to be a really fun race to the finish and i want to get back to some sec results in a little bit but let's talk about utah and what they were able to accomplish Ooh. over the course of the past weekend because they had the best weekend in all of college tennis. You look at this Utah team now, again, I believe they only have two losses overall on the year right now. And, you know, they earn victories 4-2 over Princeton. Uh, they get the 4-1 victory over Memphis. But then, of course, the biggest of them all, they knock off Harvard 4-3. I mean, again, they came into the weekend ranked, what, number 70? I have to imagine they're very much inside the NCAA top 40 cutoff line. You get a win over a number 25 Memphis team, a number 7 Harvard team, and a top or number 51 in Princeton. I mean, that's obviously the bid headline, but let's look more broadly at this Utah team quickly here, Chris, because you look at what Utah's been able to accomplish here this season. They're 15-2. and two overall on the year. And look, they had a tough kickoff weekend. 4-3 against Texas Tech. They lost 4-1 to Gonzaga. Have they played the most rigorous schedule to date? No, they have not. But you know what this team has done a ton of? They have just continued to rack up victories. And now again, they've got the meat of their Pac-12 schedule ahead of them. How good is this Utah team, Chris? I mean, look, they were good last year. And we and we spent a decent amount of time talking about them last year. And to your point, yeah, the, the tough kickoff weekend where they had, they had an opportunity to at least, you know, you would think maybe get a split there against some good teams. The rest of this, the schedule leading up to their Pac-12, leading up to this weekend, hasn't been a bunch of barn busters. So they haven't had opportunity to put points up, but they're a very, very good team. I mean, they and they're they're very deep. They got a lot of the same guys it's a really good team that could make some noise. And to your point, yeah, they're well inside that NCAA cut line. Now that NCAA cut line, typically 42, 43, 44 ish. There's they're looking at like 31 when we come out tomorrow. Well, when I'm looking at what they did in the weekend, a, they win all three doubles points. It's always where you got to start. It's how good they are up top. Chris, they won. And you look overall nine singles matches at the one through three spots. They went eight and one 
at those top three positions. You know, Cabalbo had an undefeated position. He gets wins over Princeton and Harvard at the top spot. In the end, the clincher 6-4 in the third over Harris Walker to deliver that 4-3 victory. Now, he played number two against Memphis, but he got a win there. You look for Geronimo Buslaman. Uh, he got a win over Alemany. Obviously, he was a top 50 player in the country for Memphis. And then after a tough loss, or I guess he didn't finish against Von der Schulenberg, but was down a set there. He bounced back straight set win over Princeton. You know, again, for Bastias, excuse me, he earns straight set victories over Princeton, Memphis, three sets over Milovsky. Eight and one against Memphis, Harvard, and Princeton over the weekend at the top three positions. I got to take you, like, I got to take a look at you. And in a year in the Pac 12 where, you know, it was an inch, it was a fascinating weekend. Well, let's just have the broader Pac 12 conversation right now as well, Chris, because when you look at what the Pac 12 has accomplished to date this season, I don't think it's unfair to say it's been slightly underwhelming. Now, USC's got a huge weekend coming up. They're playing Texas. They're playing TCU. They have still been very solid here this year. And should they get Lerner TN eligible, clock is ticking. It's March 20th when we're recording this. Obviously, that remains maybe the biggest question right now in all of college tennis. We know how good they are. Bosferetti's getting healthy. And Stanford looks more and more dangerous with every passing day. Cal's been really frisky, but then Arizona gets a huge 4-3 win over them this weekend and reminds all of us like, hey, we are top 16 good. We will fight with any team out there in the country. Now Utah's in the mix. UCLA got a really good win this weekend. I forget whom it was over. I have it on my list of results. We'll get to it at some point here tonight. There's more depth in the Pac-12 than we gave it credit for, Chris. This, this conference is starting to take – Arizona State got a win over Baylor. I didn't mention them. Like This team, this conference is – it's it's not top-heavy, but there are a lot of teams that can think to themselves, we should make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, there there are definitely that, – and that UCLA win was Oklahoma State. Yes, uh, yes, thank you. Right. Two teams that were right Which, there. Without and, Hugo Martins, I believe, by the way. Yeah, no, yeah he did not play. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh, no, you. I mean, I, you still look at it and you go, okay. I still think USC, Stanford, in a tier. Can Arizona is Arizona there with them? Uh, you know, probably, certainly, they ought to be in the Stanford tier. Are they? Are they in the USC tier or not? Pro, you know, I don't know. I think can they beat them? Absolutely. Over the long haul of a season, I still like. I still like USC. But then there's, to your point, there's a whole mix of teams. And in my mind, they those teams, when we entered the year, you say it's been underwhelming to date. And I think that's probably, I mean, that's a very accurate statement. But I think what we've seen over the last two weeks is that second tier has elevated from where they were to the point where now it feels more like an ACC conversation where we go, well, after you know, Virginia and North Carolina, we have this bunch of teams, but we felt like that bunch of teams was better than the next bunch of teams in the Pac-12. And now, I don't know, some of these Pac-12 teams are really, I mean, they are stepping up. And I think we're going to get probably more solid NCAA field contenders out of the Pac-12 than we've seen in the past several years. Cal's got to win over Stanford. 
a win over a very good San Diego team who we're going to talk about a little bit more later. Now, again, they get the 4-2 win over Arizona State this weekend, drop that tough one against Arizona 4-3. I really like this Cal team. Like, again, I love the depth they have. And, you know, Kikuchi gets a 7-6 in the third win over Colton Smith. By the way, that match was 1-6-7-6-7-6. Come on now. Like, and Colton Smith is a quietly taking a massive sophomore surge. We don't talk about him enough on this show. He has been really good for this Arizona team. You know, in the end, Lagayev, 4-6-7-6-7-6 in the third at five over Sid the Kid, now Sid the Man, Banthia. But, like, Sid the Man's playing five for this Cal team. You can't tell me they don't have top 25 caliber players and a top 25 caliber roster and you know again the job coach Quinta did not that he didn't have a strong foundation to build off of but to get this Cal team right back into the top 25 mix after you know again he had to bring in a lot of new pieces along with him it's remarkably impressive yeah they're really good you know again you look for this Arizona team they're 13 and 4 overall their losses are to Texas twice 4-3 at Stanford. That's not a bad loss. And then, you know, the one you sh- they want back certainly is a 4-2 loss against Auburn, but that match was at Auburn in the blue-gray. So I don't think that's a bad loss either. They're certainly in the top 16 mix. Like Stanford's 10-5. and They don't have uh, Max Basing right now, but it sounds like Basveretti can hit backhands again. And you have those, you know, those three, Basferetti, uh, Basing, Basferetti, and Ferry all healthy. And Banerjee's your four, and he's starting to find his form now, Chris, too. All these guys are getting reps at five and six. Is there a world where four Pac-12 teams can be top 16 seeds? I guess we haven't talked about them a lot uh, as a conference. And, you know, again, all due respect to Washington, Oregon, Arizona State. I know we left UCLA out of that conversation. I believe they're 8-4 and four right now. And, again, just did get a really good win over Oklahoma State. I still don't think they have enough on their schedule to be a top 16 team. But, you know, again— Stanford, Arizona, Cal, USC, I guess those four teams. Is there a pathway for all four to be top 16? Well, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna throw Cal in, then you have to throw UCLA in. UCLA okay. is gonna be ahead of them in the in the rankings. I uh, like we, that. We, I think when we come out tomorrow, we're looking right now at, at uh or as as we're pre-recording this, when the rankings come out uh that have already come out that I don't know what they're gonna be, uh <laughs> that I think we're looking at like UCLA 26, Cal 28. Uh so those two teams I, that that's gonna be it, it's still a little bit of the of a stretch for for both of them. But the what I will say is what they're lacking compared to some of the teams around them is just ranked is just ranked wins. And when I say ranked wins, I don't mean like top 20. I mean, top 125. Uh, They they have plenty of points to get where the team sandwiched in between them right now, San Diego has, you know, a 31 point win that's not counting. These two teams have four point wins that aren't counting. So anything that they, they win is going to help boost them up. So they do have a lot of upside uh, around them. And I think it is, you know, if, if the Pac-12 kind of does the typical SEC thing and they sort of beat each other up a little bit and spread some points around, then I think, yes, it's very possible. I mean, right now, Stanford and Arizona are both outside the top 16. There's only one of them in. I think it's it feels almost inevitable that those two have to get in there, uh, you know, and that that's, that's going to happen. The question is, 
if UCLA or Cal, if just one of them makes a decent push, do they make it? And I think it's it's very feasible given given the math they're staring at right now, where they've got more to gain than anybody in front of them. They could make that gain with one good win. USC's Georgia win alone will keep them in the top 16 for sure. I mean, not really alone, but come on, they're going to do other stuff too. And yeah, they're they're, yeah they're, they're fine. Stanford, I mean, they should – it'll be interesting, but you feel pretty good about that. I'll tell you what. What the Pac-12 really needs is for Baylor to beat TCU or Texas because then an Arizona State win becomes that much more valuable. And so if you're a Pac-12 uh, – Pac-12 fan, you're sneaky rooting for Baylor to finish the season strong. I'm just throwing that in there uh, for all of you. But no, I mean, again, it, it Pac-12, you see some depth starting to emerge. A lot of solid teams in the mix. Again, it'll be interesting to see who beats up whom. But we hadn't spent a lot of time on the Pac-12. I wanted to do so there. That said, I still am on my quest to ensure all these shows are now an hour or less. So we're going to have Whoa. to do some rapid fire through some top battles. There are so many good matches. Again, we're in the thick of the season, folks. We've got conference play everywhere, rivalry matches, all sorts of fun to discuss. Some may have accused me of burying the lead. I don't think I did. I think Mississippi State had to be the lead. But look, obviously, Ohio State, 4-2 over Michigan in Columbus. Ohio State doesn't lose in Columbus. Like, they've lost twice under Ty Tucker since, what, like 2004 or five, whenever that streak started. And, you know, again, you remember the matches because it's that rare. You're like, oh, yeah, Galea, Oklahoma, and then Virginia, which goes on to win a national championship. Like, those are the only two. That's it. They always win there. The environment in Columbus is special. And I'm sure you ask any player, like, Yes, it might be miserable in the moment, but they're the ones you remember fondly because Columbus shows up. And again, Ohio State got off to quick breaks in doubles. They never let them go. Cash and Boulay, the 6-3 lead at one. Uh, now, Luchanik and Trotter had a break lead at the number two spot as well. They were holding on to, but then it was a late break from Kingsley and Tracy to earn a 6-4 win to help clinch the doubles point for the Buckeyes. I don't, like, again... I kind of like the switch just because I think if you have Robert Cash on your roster, he should play at the number one double spot. I think the story coming out of this match is Coach Cronaghi, Coach Coach Torpegard, and obviously head coach Ty Tucker, they made the right call from the matchup perspective. I kind of like the idea of, again, it's not that Alex Bernard's not good, but if you're indoors, Robert Cash hasn't lost indoors. If you've watched any of Jack Anthrop with his serve, his forehand, you see where the pathway to success becomes very easy inside. And again, they flip around the doubles lineup a little bit as well. Cash Boulay get that win at one, but the Buckeyes were poised for victories just about everywhere. They get straight set victories in under an hour and a half at five and six. And then you got battles in the top four as you as expected. And, you know, the flip side... This is a long monologue. Sorry, Chris. Interrupt me at any time. Michigan's top four did exactly what you have to do after dropping doubles point. Four first sets. The match is 50-50. You've got a battle on your hands now in Columbus, and you could feel the tension, the deuce points. God, was this match delightful to be watching from afar. I mean, in the end, I'm telling you, Styler and Kingsley played 
as good of tennis as I saw at anything in Phoenix. And I think, here's a hot take for you, Chris. Andre Styler is the best college tennis player in the country indoors. Key disclaimer, but indoors. I'll take Styler over anyone else. Fenty Boulay was a battle. Fenty continues to deliver big victories. You know, Maloney and Trotter don't lose in 2023. That match was six all in the third. And in the end, it comes down to J.J. Tracy doing his thing. Tracy, 2-6-6-3-6-4 over Gavin Young. There were a bunch of breaks traded at the end of that third set. Obviously, the big overrule, 4-all, 30-all on that baseline for Gavin. Gives Tracy the match point. He closes it out from there. This was damn good tennis, Chris. Like, top 50 teams do battle. Top 50. Top five teams do battle. It's going to be 4-2-4-3. It's going to come down to at least two or three third sets. That's what this match was. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the first reaction is just, hey, it's in Columbus. It's what we expected. We knew it was going to be a battle, Uh but somehow you just know Ohio State's going to find a way to do it, you know, in Columbus, and and you expected it. but And and you got exactly the kind of match you expected, to your your point, where, uh, you know, those top four were just – going to be all about wars and then and then and then you were just questioning what are we going to see at five and six are we going to see you know it went obviously very well for ohio state are we going to see that on on one side i don't think i i certainly wasn't wouldn't have expected the potential on the on the flip that i wouldn't have expected michigan to go in there at five and six and just take straight set wins but i could have easily seen that it was just six battles instead of four battles. And, you know, unfortunately for Michigan, it was only four battles. And and that's that ended up kind of being the difference. It was just too much to overcome. But, yeah, these teams are so close that I'm going to lean to the home team in in any, you know, home and away type match here for, for these two. Uh, and then let's have some fun and play outdoors on a neutral site. Yeah. No, I, again, the Michigan's going to get the home match later in the season and both Coach Steinberg, Coach Tucker deserve credit. The home and home is the single best thing that could have possibly happened in this rivalry, and it's a really good thing, I think, for college tennis as well to put these teams, which have been top 10 caliber now for a couple of years consecutively, make them do battle a couple of times. It's going to toughen both sides up. I mean, so my, cash- my big question, my big okay. question for Ohio State, right? I, I think Michigan were fairly, I, I'm fairly solid with where they're going. Aaron Schneider's back. He's got to be in the lineup. You got to play him. He's got to work his way in. Well, just quickly on that boat, because I do want to do the Ohio State set. Let's just put the bow on Michigan. Can't lose five and six in straight sets. You no. can't. Can't have yeah. that happen. And Bickerstaff knows it. Nino knows it. Nino fought his way back, was right there, four or five in the second set. Just dug himself way too big of a hole, coming off of injury. You like the level you saw at the end. Again, you hope he gets back to even 90% of what he was at the end of last season, because that player was lights out. Doubles. Right. Maybe you do play around with the pairings because now in a couple of big matches, you drop that point. But yeah, like I agree. Do you work Cooksey into the mix? What you do at five, six doubles, those are the questions. Michigan, nothing changes status quo wise for Michigan moving forward. What you Would you agree with that assessment? If so, yeah, no, I right. agree. My, 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 my question is big picture for Ohio State. By the time we get to NCAAs, Bernard's in the lineup, right? Well, here's the luxury they have. And this is where, again, you got to credit the coaching staff for the decision they made. Indoors, cash five, Anthrop six, 
do it. Like, why not? Robert Cash is 14 and 1 this year. Jack Anthrop, 6 and 1. And just again, the weapons he brings in an indoor match, I don't care who's across the net from him at 6, he's going to have weapons to match them. If you're outdoors, maybe you, you know, again, play Bernard or mix things around because clearly he's, you know, he's 6 and 1 overall. Uh, excuse me, Bernard, 5 and 2 overall this year. Like, he is going to be in the grind. He's not losing matches in straight sets. I think you have flexibility. I, I'm not arguing any of that. My point is, yes, you, you play, you want to win your matches, but if your big picture is for the national title and you think Bernard is in the lineup for the national title, at what point do you reach the part of the season where you say he has to play now? Because if they're going to play 80% of their season indoors and then decide not to play him and then all of a sudden – we, we get to well that's know, the key right the there tournament. you just said it they need to get outdoors like and right. and i and like, but they don't get the choice at home right if it's cold yeah, it's cold true. or on right? the road so, if it's cold on the road it's cold on the road too that that's my point at some at there's a there's a point and I, i'm okay that it's not this early but that's my question is when is that point where you go all right for the greater good for the big picture indoors we we got to, he's, you know, we got to continue to play him because we got to get him reps. But no, I think he, I do think he's a guy that's in the lineup come May. It's the line they've been straddling all year long. Like that has been the biggest question. What again for all these great teams that have options in this COVID era where you, you go seven, eight deep? Who do you play at five and six? They have options. Those options thrived against the Wolverines. I mean, again, it was fun. Oh my God! The third sets to have fan- the the cross court cast was invented for three matches remaining. Third sets across the board. You got eyes on everything. Like it was good. We've spent long enough on this match. Ohio State seventeen and two now overall on the season. Again, Cash is fourteen and one. Trotter's fifteen and zero. That's ridiculous. By the way, Cash is fourteen and two in doubles. Trotter and Luchanik six and five overall on the year. But of course, Trotter and uh, Luchanik and Tracy, excuse me, they were the ones nine and one in the fall. So like, there are pieces everywhere. It was a top five battle, four two. The longer that the longer that continues, the more it reminds me of that Florida season from a couple years ago when you had guys like Bicknell and Gujer that just didn't lose. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very it's eerily similar. Interesting. I don't know who the comp for me for that team is. I got I to gotta do some brainstorming. I'm going to give you a comparison uh, perhaps in the near future. But we got to move on to our next match here. And again, top teams doing battle. Uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, you are on the precipice of the biggest victory of the season. And again, Tennessee's starting to look the part. They're playing a lot of real— I mean, Tennessee always plays close matches. Like, they're going to be in the fight. No one's going to roll them over. And yet, you know, again, for them to go to Athens, for them to take the doubles point, despite the fact that Harper and Monday, who would have been the overwhelming favorites over Quinn and Bride, who have been about 500 here in dual match play, Quinn and Bride win, and yet Tennessee takes the doubles point. Monday straight sets over Quinn. Like, again, all these pieces were there. Mitsui three sets over Kreuter. Bicknell straight uh, a first set. Emil Hud a first set. Diaz and Yuska doing battle. Diaz has been so good. You feel like, you know, again, you felt pretty good going into that one. The pathway was there. But, oh, my God, this Georgia team's starting to find something, Chris. And you just look for, 
I mean, do I have to say it again? I'm, I'm done with the Trent Bride love affair. Not that I don't love Trent Bride, but you all know my thoughts on him at this point. 10-8 in the second set breaker over Bicknell. Wins the match 6-3 in the third. Phil Henning, 8-6 in the third set breaker over Emil Hud to clinch in front of a ruckus crowd. This is what it's all about, Chris. This one was a fun one. What was your reaction? Yeah, I mean, look, Tennessee, they jumped out 3-1, and I was sitting there, you know, you're texting me from Phoenix, and I'm, well, we're both, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on some things, and I'm like, well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to watch what's, what's going on on the score lines, and the Bride Bicknell breaker, just in the second for, for Trent Bride to even keep it going, yeah, I just, I felt like, you know, I couldn't help get but get away from the feeling that Tennessee just let you know they they had to feel like they let one get away there. And my overwhelming feeling on the Tennessee side right now is, man, we're finally outdoors, and it still hasn't turned for Bicknell. And at some point, that's going to be when that flips. That's when this team goes to like they're right on the precipice to it's going to be almost impossible to beat them. But yeah. if it doesn't happen, it's, they're just going to be right there. But that, that to me is the killer. But for Georgia, man, what a, I mean, they just, they, they found a way and those guys, I mean, yes, that, that, that Trent bride breaker in the second was just unbelievable. And for him to take that and come back, uh, I mean, and, and with, and with Ethan Quinn again, like, you know, he went out quick. It was two and two, uh, and the team didn't let, you know, to to see it go down that fast and for the guys to keep fighting. It was it, it was something I I think it was impressive from a three one deficit. The crowd and look, everybody got to see that's what makes Georgia, Georgia. Right. I mean, is it's not 50 people in the stands yelling. The place is packed and the crowd is loud and. It's a, I mean, it's just a great atmosphere, both teams. I mean, everybody, all the kids love it. Sure, you don't necessarily want to be the visiting team, but would you rather play in that environment or play with nobody sitting there watching you at all? The kids all love it, even when you're on the other side. I mean, it's just a great environment. And yeah, Georgia's finding, they're finding their stride. Look, you know, Pena got, is, 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 I think to me, looking better we we already know what Georgia's got in the top four spots again, and and the and the question is going to be what are they getting? And really five. The question is what are they getting out of six? And if Pena can do what he's doing there, I I think things look really good for Georgia. I think though that you know again big picture the problem is going to be a little kind of like South Carolina where it's going to be tough for them to be able to do it three huge matches in a row, four huge matches in a row or so, you know, that they're, they're, they are susceptible to the upset for sure. No, they're a four, three team. So is Tennessee yeah. to some extent. It's just like they play close matches. And while it's a strength that they can find four points in a, duff, in a bunch of different ways, it is a burden to, I'm sure the coaching staff and Georgia fans that you never quite know. Yeah. Bride's probably going to win. Croyder's probably going to win. Honestly, MPP now at nine and four overall in the year, eight and four at the sixth spot. He's more likely than not to win. But yeah, you never know where point number four exactly is coming from. Obviously, Henning Quinn, you feel like at the worst they should be splitting, but like I didn't believe Georgia was top ten good to start the season. I do now. They are that good. I don't have them in tier one quite yet. But if they make the final site, one of the final eight teams, it's not going to shock me at all because they're experienced and they can win in so many different ways, regardless of who the opponent is. 
But again, we got a lot of results left, so we're going to rapid fire from here. Still two more close ones I want to talk about, but we'll do these a little faster because we've spent more times on these, uh, time on this team. Kentucky, 4-2 win at Auburn. Like, Draxel looks like 2021 Draxel again, Chris, and and 2022 NCAA tournament Draxel. And, you know, again, Weeks, uh, Clement, everyone's starting to play a little bit better. Like, this team is good. They're just, they, they won without Lapidot and Body on the road. That's a job well done. Yeah, I mean, it was a good, and you must be looking at probably some Auburn scoreline uh, because they had the scoring messed up and, and mixed okay. up. You know, they, they mixed up Cosne and Clement. They put the first oh, name. Did I say Clement? I meant. I was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, that's not right. I was like, Charlotte. Yeah. Well, Cosne. no, I was. I was doing the broadcast, and the uh, and the Auburn the Auburn scoreline was throwing me because yeah. it, it had uh, it had Charlotte Clement. <laughs> it's yeah. like, wait, that's two different guys. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I you know, Kentucky again. Uh, I still really like the team. Yeah, I think you know Draxel's going to be. He's another one. Some of these teams that we've talked about, you know, like a team we're still going to get to in Virginia where you just know they're going to come around and when it matters, they're going to be there. Draxel's the same way to me. Like you sure he could be up or down early on when it gets, when it gets real and it matters that he's going to be there. We know. And look, I, Annie Lapidot, they're, they're solid. You know, they're going to get some, I still think, you know, weeks and Cosne are just, they're going to, they're going to get better throughout the season and during the year. And I really love the guy that's probably struggling the most right now, right now is, is cousin at six, but I still, I, I still love his game. I don't, I, I would not blink at all. If I was Kentucky, I would not be thinking, Oh, do we go back and play JJ Mercer? No, you stick with this kid. You let him get his lumps in and they're going to be fine. His lumps in or his lumps in. You see what I did there? <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Now, well said. I, I I agree with you. Um, and again, for Auburn, they're right there. But that's if you're a tier one team, you go win that match at Auburn, and that's exactly what Kentucky did. So shout out to them. Speaking of tier one teams, let's end this part of again looking at this schedule with Virginia because yes, they forrowed uh, UNC without Brian Cernock, but the seven zero win over Duke, you win doubles, and perhaps most importantly. 2-0 for Montez over Andrew Zhang. That's a sight for sore eyes. And then straight set wins for Dahlberg and Kiefer at 5-6. and six. We, you know, again, you feel like Botzer eventually gets back in the mix. But in the meantime, Dahlberg, Kiefer, they're not just proving to be legitimate options. They're proving to be good options at the bottom of the lineup, Chris. Virginia finds its stride. Does it not this weekend? Yeah, it's kind of what we we expected to see this at some point. Right? They're just going to get better and better, and it's not going to be a shock to anybody that they're just going to go. Yeah, guess what? We didn't really go anywhere. We're ready to play now, uh, and and they're that good. And I, I expect to see it. I I still think uh, the big question is. Yeah, I, I assume we see bots are back. So is it Dahlberg or is it Kiefer? Uh, you know, and that that's about all. It's about all I'm worried about for that team. Yeah, it, there's a really interesting stretch coming up at Harvard on Sunday, then at Wake Forest, at NC State the next weekend. Will we see Botzer in any of those matches? Because you feel like maybe that at Wake Forest, at NC State weekend, maybe that's when you roll him out for the first time and see how his body handles those back-to-back matches, even with the day of separation. It's really the only question you have left about Virginia right now. They're starting to click on all cylinders, and it doesn't always have to be Rodash, Montez, Van der Schulenberg, Getz. They're finding different pathways. That's what we were wondering going into the season. We're starting to see that emerge. All right. 
Let's now rapid fire through everything that happened in Texas. Then we're going to get to the other notable results, rankings, week ahead. Tough weekend for Baylor. 4-0 loss to Wake Forest. 4-2 loss to Illinois. I mean, for Wake Forest, for them, again, Tachi, real piece at five. Lopez does. Kona gets a good one and three win over Koenig at six. Uh, and then Maroney, straight sets over Velch, who, by the way, has worked his way up to the number two spot. That's something we both said about him the moment we first laid eyes on him. Obviously, you look for this Baylor team. They're in a tough spot right now. Eight and 11 overall. They've still got conference play ahead. You do wonder, or nine and 11, excuse me, not eight and 11. Nine and 11 overall. Still have conference play ahead. They've got matches on the schedule with SMU, Tulsa, UTRGV as well. I'll tell you what. That SMU match, Thursday, 5 p.m. Central Time, Chris, that's an NCAA tournament match with all sorts of implications. That wasn't rapid fire at all, but, like, it's almost must win for not really SMU, but it's almost must. I think it is must win for Baylor. Yeah, because, I mean, they're they're battling at this point both both ranking and the 500 rule uh, and, and knowing that, look, they're they're not beating Texas or TCU in all likelihood. I mean, that's the, it, we should probably throw those throw those out and say, all right, without those, how do we make it? And yeah, that makes, you know, SMU at that point becomes a must win match. Yeah, well said. I also, again, good win. Uh, and again, this Baylor team is young. But it's a good win for Wake to go on the road, get a four win. They, a nice little boost for them and a reminder. They are top 16 good, even if you know, have no idea where they're going to fall on any given day. Quickly on Illinois, they're top 16 good, Chris. I mean, this Illinois team completely flip-flopped their doubles lineups, and yet they still take the doubles point. Heckano Zollins at one sounds great on paper. Okonkwo and DeBrew continue to have success. They get a win, 6-4 at the number two spot. You know, again, with Petrov at one, that slides Ozalans down to two. He gets a three-set win. Okonkwu gets a win at five. It was Mraz coming through uh, over Wampi at four. Illinois is good, man. And they got Ohio State this weekend. That's going to be fun. I'm, it's in Champaign. You, you know what I like about this? It's still a little early, and maybe it won't be the case when we get there. But you talk about that that Illinois team being top 16 good. If we look at what's a you know what's going to be in, in you know barring any wildly you know off the wall missing results that I'm not aware of the rankings that will have already come out by the time you hear this that should come out on on Tuesday the first five teams out of the top sixteen usually we draw the line right around eighteen and you know sure. there's just a couple battling but I'll go those next five right now Stanford Auburn Arizona Tennessee Illinois. All out. Yeah, that's crazy. I yeah, I mean, three of those teams have to be in. So, yeah, so, I mean, so, which is which wow. is why I hesitated a little on the how strongly do you want to get a percentage? Do you want to give Mississippi State because there are some teams that are going to be pushing their way in that top sixteen. So, yep. you know what? I rescind my Pac twelve earlier. They are going to have to fight for two, let alone three. No chance they get four. I mean. Yeah, because TCU then goes and gets a win over Illinois, 4-1. Illinois takes the doubles point. TCU, though, uh, victories at the number one, three, five, and 6 spots. Interesting to see them go. Pedro Vivez at that 6 spot. He gets the win over Meister, 1-2. and two. I mean, Gorsny, JPJ, they keep doing their things. Yeah, they're just they're just rolling. I, that doesn't yeah, take anything away from how good Illinois looks. I mean, are they the unequivocal number one right now? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think I agree with you. I, are they on a tier of their own? Uh, right now, they. I mean, it's just because we haven't we haven't really seen that that big huge test we've seen with other teams. And if if they're playing maybe a Michigan or an Ohio State or whoever, that might happen. But yeah, other, right now, I'd say they are sitting on a tier of their own. Someone's going to have to knock them off. Well, here's why: is that they don't play four three matches, and like with all due respect, right. obviously Texas has been excellent this season, but Texas got pushed by NC State four three win for the Longhorns. It's Aramilli who clinches seven six in the third, and I'll say it again: Bruce Burke has been literally promoting the Church of Nevin Aramilli for three years on this show, manifesting in this moment. I'll tell you what, though. This is another one of those NC State who started conference play undefeated. They're healthy now. You know, Luke gets a win, six love in the third over Spaziri. Got a really good win from Staheli as well. He continues to be the real deal uh, at that four spot. NC State is top. Are they in the top 16 right now? Because I didn't hear you mention them. And they are another team that will be fighting for a spot. No, no they're, they're at 25. Yeah, and that's another one. Like, tell me they can't beat Duke or UNC and work their way right. into the top 16. Yeah, they just don't have the – they're going to. Uh, yeah. So the, the deal, they were 20 this past week. I think they're going to be 25 when we come out this week. Um, and the deal for them is just they don't have the the quality wins that far down. Like their sixth win is worse than everybody around them that's above them's sixth win. So when they get into – the heavy ACC season and they have a chance to put more quality wins on the board, they will, they will rise, but that's why they're down right now. Yeah. And for Texas, again, to get a win that doesn't run through Spaziri that, you know, again, PY, Braswell, Harper, Aramilli. It's why this Texas team was tier one for us coming into the season. It's why they've been a year away for two years now. So that's a good win. Again, a test at home. You got to that. That is the, the Wolfpack bucket hat I'm sporting. Yeah, exactly. And still Texas four two win. All right. We are rapid firing through the rest, Chris. I want three sentences or less. I'm going to limit myself as well. Miami, 4-3 over Notre Dame, 4-1 over Louisville at home. The South Florida trip is always a struggle, but sweet baby Rays did the Hurricanes need that weekend. Yeah, they did. And that was, uh, I mean, I'll say good good win with Notre Dame. Super impressive to follow it up with over a Louisville team that has shown to be dangerous. A great weekend for Miami. Columbia, 4-2 over Cal, 4-0 over UCLA. Right now, Columbia versus Harvard. They've already played this season. But which, if they can only get one top 16, who's more likely? Well, is there Harvard, a path for two? I, there is a path, but I don't... I, I, I really have to look at what they have left on the on the schedule for the two of them. It's with all with the teams that are going to be pushing their way in. I think it's going to be tough. I think it's I mean, I, I think in the end, it, it won't be two of them just because there are going to be other teams that just have more meat on the on the on the schedule left and chances to get to leapfrog them. Yeah, I mean, again, we also haven't spent enough time talking about superstar freshman Michael Zhang, who gets a really impressive victory over Kikuchi in straight sets and was up on Zaraj as well. Speaking of UCLA, they get a big win, knocking out Oklahoma State 4-2. You look for them to sweep the three through six singles positions without Hoog Martins in the lineup. Shout out to UCLA. I mean, again, they uh, have they had a headline victory so far this season? Maybe not they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. They are. And like I said, they're a team that's, you know, they're up to 
they're up to 26 uh, th- this week, I, th- I think, and and Cal right behind them. And both of those two teams have, you know, nothing in terms of points in the in what's coming out in front of them at, at their, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth countable wins. So just, you know, matches over whoever they beat that now, which is so beneficial that the Pac-12 is spreading some of that love around. So, you know, whether it's a whether it's an Arizona State or it's a Utah or it's a UCLA or it's a Cal right there, they all count for decent points now. So whichever school out of there steps up with with a couple wins, they're going to be good points. And those schools uh, you know, between and and there's really three of them right there. You got UCLA 26, Cal 28, Utah up to 31 right now off the strength of the weekend you talked about earlier. Somebody in there is making a big jump. Yeah, well said. Now on the Oklahoma State side, they are currently 11 and six overall. 500 rule shouldn't be an issue, but I'll tell you this: they've got Tulane and Tulsa as their non-conference matches. Those are both must wins. And honest to God, their final regular season conference match, Sunday, April 16th, Baylor at home, that might be an NCAA tournament elimination match between those two teams. So circle it right now. Big 12 fans, that's your Oklahoma State and thoughts on all that. Again, San Diego, I said we were going to round back to them. 4-1 over Memphis, 4-0 over Tulane. You look for this San Diego team now overall in the season 12-5 and as they did drop a stunner 4-3 to Princeton. I, I my only take is that they're going to be top sixteen in the twenty twenty five. See if if Coach Keckley's still there, they will be a top sixteen seed in top in twenty twenty five. I yeah, I think it's you know could be sooner than that. They're you know they're going to be their mid twenties now, so it's not yeah. that far to go. Uh, Another yeah. team where you're like they might be top sixteen. Like again, they're yeah. deep, they're young, they're frisky, they're, they're, they're good. They are. They're good. Yeah. I'm going to throw one one thing on top of your rapid fire. The last match you mentioned, uh, the the final conference match, Baylor Oklahoma State. You know what I do if I'm those two schools? Double header. I, I, I should call Coach Woodson. Absolutely double header. And oh, by the way, let's just split. Yeah, a little wink, wink. I like that conspiracy. Yeah. Chris is back. Um, all right, SMU four one over Tulsa. They needed it as we're rapid firing because again there were so many freaking good matches. VCU a really big win four three over Tulane. Wisconsin six one over Penn. That's huge for them. I mean, again, I could net mention another thirty more. Chris, am I missing anything else? Or do you think we hit everything? No, I, I probably hit them all. I think the I think it was the VCU Prince. There was one match that went unfinished out in San Diego, and they were like in a breaker. They got called off. Uh, yeah. That was that was brutal uh, based off the weather there. But uh, no, I yeah VCU is making a, a you know another push. Yeah, VCU Tulsa Tulane to SMU. There are a lot of teams we could put in that non-power five discussion who are all tournament good. Um, and again, obviously, we know about the strength of the Ivy League as well. But yeah, yeah. My, Miami, by the way, you you talked about them that that double win over the weekend jumped them from almost sixty. They were in the you know, they were in the high fifties. They're back inside the cut at forty two now. Yeah. By the way, so I didn't say a, Memphis. That that's huge. another really good team. Pepperdine had a jam packed weekend as well. Or three match with USC. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a it's. It's there. We need some separation because right now everything is very, very tightly packed. And, you know, with all that said, we are pre-recording. I forgot to solicit rankings from our other Crack Rackets voters. So with that in mind, Chris, I want to solicit rankings from you now. Let's just go by the tier system. Or I guess, no, we can do straight up rankings. Let's start at number. No, no, no. You want to do tiers of rankings. You tell me. Leave it all in, Westoff. 
Um, All right, I'll be the host. Let's do tiers. You tell me if you're a tier one team still. Yes or no? Does this team have a shot at the national championship? TCU. Of course. Are they the only tier one team or are they tier one A and then it's now tier one B in your mind? Yeah, well, they can't be the only tier one team. That would be like no, saying they No, I'm win. saying are they the only tier one A team where it's like they're on a caliber of their own and there are other teams who could beat them, but I really think they're the favorites. Yeah, I, I think that's that is the case. I think that's the, where things flat. stand right now as well, where they're tier one A. But let's go tier one B. Yep. Texas. Yep. Yep. O- Ohio State. Yep. Michigan. Yep. Is South Carolina still there for you despite the loss this weekend? Yep. I'm going to throw them in there as well. I think I agree with you. Kentucky. Yep. I agree with you. I'm going to throw their, them in there as well. Virginia. Yep. Where's Virginia projected in the next rankings following their wins over Duke and uh, UNC here this weekend? And I'll beat a Cernoclis UNC. Again, feels worth mentioning. Yeah, they are projected number eight. Okay, so I have them as the seventh tier one team. Is USC tier one in your mind or no? No, not without not not without Tien and the inability to, to win any good doubles points. Georgia? No. Sneaky Columbia? No. No, but I'm willing to have a cup of coffee with the argument. <laughs> I'm just like, I'd, I'd entertain it. I'd be like, but their depth in singles, like on the right day, you're telling me, and then I'd be like, like Westfall's not going to get a win at three or four. And I'm like, uh, Kotsin at two. I'm like, uh, Zang at one. I'm like, uh, yeah, I get to work with some really good, smart math dudes and then we'll put them in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So T- USC with TN, yes, without him, no. They're tier two. North Carolina, pretty firmly tier two. Georgia, we already mentioned, pretty firmly tier two. If tier two is defined as tips, top 16 conversation, that tier is massive right now. So again, I think the big thing is that top seven right now. That's where I want to focus right now. We're TCU, probably tier 1A, but then tier 1B right behind them. Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, South Carolina, Kentucky, and certainly Virginia after the weekend they had as well. That's our rankings update for you here today. Let's end the show with the week ahead, Chris. Oh, sweet baby rays. Is there some good college tennis ahead of us over the course of the next few days? I'll let you start. You pick one match. What are you tuned into and why? Well, my biggest problem is I won't be getting to be tuned. I won't be tuned into yeah, anything. Yeah, true. Because I'm going to be almost, you know, half internetless and out on training camp. Uh, I'll, I'll be on my bike most of the time. But um, I don't I don't know that there's one. And if I want to get out of my normal uh, comfort zone, if you will, I I want to I'm going to go with just the kind of the USC swing. Yeah. I want to see them. I want to see both. I mean, that that's a, that's the, the weekend to me is. Let's see the TCU Texas swing for them. Uh, I mean, that's I'm all eyes on that. Yeah, I think that's really well said because again, if this USC team is going to be Sans Lerner Tien this season, you want to be tier one, go win one of these matches on the road in Texas. And certainly, again, if they go and two, you don't hold that against them. But if they go one and one, they have to be elevated, certainly even without Tien. And they've played every match close this season into that tier one caliber. I think that's the right pick. I mean, Ohio State out of Illinois is one near and dear to my heart just because that rivalry has meant so much to the Big Ten over the course of the years. 
I think Virginia at Harvard is a sneaky, fun one as well. But how about just straight up Wednesday's match, which will have already yeah. happened before this is recorded. Let's just give the prediction. Texas TCU part two. Uh, I believe this match is happening in Fort Worth. I want to double check it that is, quickly. It is in yes. Fort Worth. In yeah. Fort Worth. Scoreboard, who you got? Yeah, I was, that, that's what I was going to say. National that's a, Indoor Championship rematch. I, I, I mean. Quickly at, with the pick because it will have already happened. Yeah, so my pick, yeah, the match has already been played by the yeah. time this comes out. Maybe. I don't know what time we release the show. Oh, I guess if it's going out at 9, for sure. Yeah. It's already done. I'm I'm saying it's a TCU 4-2. Yeah, all right. And again, the sneaky good one, Middle Tennessee at Oklahoma. I think that's going to be a fun match as well this weekend. But, folks, that's everything going on in the Division I men's college tennis world. Again, another jam-packed week. We've reached the heart of the schedule. Everything matters at this point. NCAA tournament implications in every match we see unfold, of course. We will be back here each and every week to keep you updated on everything as it unfolds. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out. Because we're pre-recorded, Chris, I can say that again. So shout-out to Westoff for making all the content possible. Shout-out, of course, as well to our friends at LS to learn more about their expansive and beautifully designed catalog. Just click on the link in the description to this podcast. Any final thoughts, Chris? Are you ready to wrap today's show? I'm ready to wrap it, and I will be sorely missing you over the next week. Uh, you know, it's going to be a long, long time. I'll be back. The fo- Hopefully, we'll be back live next Wednesday. Yes, that's what I like to hear. Hopefully, we will be indeed. Good luck to you. Race away. You're lean. You're mean. You're a vegan machine for a reason. Go show it off, right? You're not just you're not just a uh, you're not just my trophy here. You know, you're there's more function <laughs> as well. All right, so uh, go show that off. But with all of that said, for the fantastic Chris Hallioris, our super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at LS, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. 